Welcome to our series that we're calling Choose. Uh, jumping into it here, I want to start with a story. Uh, most of you, it's probably not a surprise that I'm into camping, that I like to camp. We wear plaid all the time. There's wood all over the place. I love to spend time in the woods. That's how I grew up. And uh, growing up in high school, at one point in time, we would go camping with a bunch of different families. And this was a regular thing that we did. And so we went camping once, and we were out in eastern Washington, and we brought uh, all these different families. And in one of the families was a cute girl that I just thought was absolutely adorable. So I invited her to go uh, cliff jumping and ride a on a bike ride to cliff jumping. And I invited my best friend came, my sister came, some guy named Steve, some old guy named Steve who just does about anything. Uh, and we just went on a bike ride and we went to these cliffs, and there was this one cliff, and I'm not joking, I wish I had the picture of it, I can't seem to find it, but you need to trust me, it's about 40 to 50 feet up in the air. So if you've never gone cliff jumping, that's pretty darn high. It's really high. Looking up at it, it's okay. Looking down on it, it's ridiculous. And so we were all going, all of us, and everyone was kind of jumping feet first, feet first. And, and, and we were doing this, and we did this for a little while. And at some point in time, I felt the need to try to impress the gal that was with us. Um, and so one point, we were all on the cliff, and Steve, the old guy, walks up to the side. And he's probably not that old. He's probably like my age um, right now. And he, uh, he goes to get ready to jump off. And I don't know why I said it, but I said it. And I'm like, hey, Steve. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, if you dive, I'll dive, right? I knew the girl could hear. I made sure she could hear that I was brave enough to dive off of here. But I knew that Steve, being this old man that he was, there was no way in the world he would dive. And so I said, Steve, if you dive, I'll dive. And his words back to me were pretty funny because he said, you promise, right? And I'm like, of course. There's no way this guy is going to do this. And I'm like, okay. He's like, all right. And he goes up and he just takes his time, jumps out. I'm not kidding you, and I promise I'm not exaggerating. He went out and then down and touched his toes. <laughs> moves back out and in the water without a splash. Friends, I'm not exaggerating. What I didn't know when I said that was that Steve was a national state diver in high school. No joke. And I asked him to dive. And so he dove and he's down there and I'm standing up there like, oh my, oh crap, oh crap. And so he's down there, he's like, all right, your turn, your turn. And I'm like, I can't look bad, right? Like I have to jump. If I said that, I got to dive. So I did. I tried to work up the courage and I did exactly what everyone else would do. I went up there like this and I turned and I just like took my time ready to go with this. I did this a few times where you're trying to get up the nerve to go. And at one point in time, maybe the third, fourth, maybe fifth, tenth time that I ran up there, the girl's not impressed at this point, but I go up there and I touch the side. And do you know when you get to the edge and you go just a little too far where I stopped and I'm right here and I know there's no way I can go back. I either go forward or I go out. Now, here's what's interesting about the decision that I had to make at this point is that if I just fell, I would have fallen onto rocks because there was about 15 feet that I had to jump out of. And so I had to jump at that moment. So if indecision had taken me at that moment in time, I would have died. 
obviously, I made the choice as I'm leaning there to push off launch out. Now, just a key if you're doing any cliff diving, when you go in the water from a great height, you need to put your hands together because what it does is it cuts the water. If you go in this way, you slap the top of your head on the water and you get a huge headache, a huge headache. And so my point in this is this, is I sat there and I had a choice to make. And oftentimes, the worst decision that we can make is indecision, right? The worst decision that we can make is indecision. We have to make a choice. And in this series, what we're doing is we are talking about the choices that we make. Think about it. We are essentially the sum total of the choices that we've made in the past. If I would not have made the decision to jump out, I would not be here. And essentially, the choices that we make right now will decide who we are and dictate who we will be in the future and our choices tomorrow. So our choices really do matter. And in this series, what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at some of the big choices, some of the big decisions that we need to make that oftentimes I think we just land on indecision. We decide not to choose, and so our choice is often dictated up to us or left up to um, circumstances, if you will. In the first week, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity. And if you don't make that choice to choose purpose over popularity, you'll pretty much fall back on trying to impress others versus trying to fulfill the purpose that God has given us and his opinion and what he thinks about us versus the opinions of others. Last week, Scott talked about choosing discipline over regret. And I think that's amazing. We are going to live in pain no matter what. You either experience the pain of discipline, because there is discipline in pain. You feel pain in discipline, like a workout. It, it hurts. But you also, um, if you take the, the pain of regret, that is far worse than the pain of discipline. And so we should choose discipline over regret. Today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about another choice, a big decision, and that is this, is that we would choose surrender over control. We would choose surrender over control. And so I'd like a little participation, maybe a little bit of honesty here. How many of you like to be in control in some area of your life? Raise your hand. Keep them up. Keep them up. There you go. Now, if you are tempted to raise the hand of the person next to you, <laughs> you want to take good notes today. Today is the day to take notes because all of us, we battle with, we struggle with, we wrestle with trying to control some areas of our lives. Maybe that's at work right? We're going to do it my way. We're going to do it in my time. And if you don't do it right, then I'm going to do it myself. How many people work for a person like that? Or maybe you are that person. When it comes to the home, everything has to have its place. We load the dishwasher in a certain way because we want to control what goes in and what goes out of there and how clean they come out right? We want to control or we want to dictate on how do we fold the laundry. There's a specific way. The remote is a perfect example of this. The remote control. Maybe you're in your house and you have to hold it. You have to hold it. In my house growing up, my grandma, this is no joke, she was crazy. She would vacuum lines in the carpet, and they had to be the exact same measurement. Always, she would vacuum strategic lines, and if they weren't the same, then that was not acceptable. That's crazy, crazy, crazy talk. 
Now, when you mow the lawn, that's something different. You need to have perfect lines. Perfect, perfect lines when you go through. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. Yes, we should pray right now. We all have our area, do we not? When it comes to people, maybe we try to control our kids, right, and what they say and what they do, and I'm going to ground you until you're 30 if you don't listen to me. When our spouse, we have arguments about who controls what. I control this, you control that. That's my space, that's your space, right? We try to manipulate to get them to do what we want them to do. My wife, my, uh, my, my, my wife, she's right there. She's wonderful. I hit the jackpot when I got married. Uh, my wife does not desire to control a lot of things, but there is one area that she wants to have complete control of, and that is how we watch movies and what we watch. Um, for example, here's some of, the, here's some of the, the things. One is no sci-fi. We can have, in the movies we choose, no violence, no big action, definitely no trashy humor, no sad stuff. Anything that hurts an animal or especially children, that is out. You can't be mouthy. The movie cannot be mouthy. No cussing. Can't be risque. Can't be too cheesy, so therefore slapstick comedy is definitely gone. One big rule, and I find this interesting, is no suspense. And when I say no suspense, I don't mean no suspense as in the genre of no suspense. I'm saying the movie can't have suspense in the plot line. Okay, that means she just doesn't want to be stressed out as she's watching a movie, right? And so when watching, we must have buttery popcorn. The lights can be dimmed, but they cannot be off. She wants to see her popcorn. The kids must be asleep. It can't be too late. The movie can definitely not be too long. And she likes to cuddle, but if my feet touch her, that is unacceptable, okay? That's all. Actually, it's not. I, this is the one I can talk about up here. <laughs> See, the Pharisees had 613 laws when it came to their, how they lived their life. When it comes to watching movies with my wife, she has more. My wife likes to control what we watch and how we watch it when it comes to movies. And friends, I'm cool with that. I really am cool with that. And the reason why is because the only thing that I want to control, the only thing that I want to control is everything else, okay? Just everything else, that's it. And so some of you, and I know you know this, some of you know me well, and you're probably thinking, even when I said the title of the talk and what we're talking about, about surrender over control, you might have thought, Jake, what the heck? Out of all people to talk on surrender, you are the biggest control freak that there is, and you are correct. You are correct. I will admit, this is a straight-up problem for me. And if you don't know me well, here's some surface ways to show you. Uh, this is in my office. If I open the door, you could see it. This is how I organize my refrigerator. I hope you notice that all the labels are facing in the correct direction and that there is no missing can. If you're going to pull them and you come in my office, please pull from the back, not from the front. That always drives me nuts because then they move and they get all... Yeah, people will come into my office. They will turn the cans. They'll stick in a Coke. It's very unacceptable. So... It's frustrating. So um, that's just one thing. Look at my house. This was my home a couple years ago. This is my garage. Um, I know, I got a problem. Lay off, lay off, all right? <laughs> 
inside of there is our Christmas decor, our camping gear, and all the stuff that we would need. And it is properly labeled. And yes, once you pull things out, then you can put it back in. But you must put it back in. I admit, I've never been diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have, you know, OCD. It's pretty much there. Uh, when it comes to messages, friends, and what we write or what we talk about, you may not know this, but I have literally, we have literally planned a year in advance of what we're going to talk about because I want to have a plan. I always want to walk into a situation with a plan. It makes me feel like I have more control than I actually do. I would rather walk into a, a situation with a plan and deter from that plan than to walk in and have no plan at all. This went crazy years ago as I oversaw in, in Overlake's ministry. I oversaw from birth all the way up to college. And I put together what was called the 18-year plan. I had literally planned everything that the students would, kids, students, and adults, all the way up through college, would do, it would cover, and all that stuff. I, it was all written out. I was so proud of it. I printed it out. I put it in the hallway so other people could see it, right, so my team could follow it. It was a little over the top. And there may or may not have been a rule in that church and in this one when it came to the staff of only like burning vanilla candles because I can't stand the smell of anything else. I have problems, okay? Lots and lots of problems. When it came to my staff around here, what's funny is I mentioned the topic that I was going to talk about, about surrender and releasing control. And every one of them, with the exception of Michael, who just started, laughed at me. So... <laughs> They fully laughed. When I was talking to my wife that this was the topic I would be talking on, these are her words. She's here. You could ask her. She said over the phone, I said, I'm going to be working on this. It might be late. She said, oh, take your time. Study hard. No need to rush home. <laughs> Is what she said. So friends, I realize that the reason that I wanted to speak on this is because this is an area that I need to grow in, for surely. Not always can I get up here and say, I have got it all figured out and we should all do it just like this. This is something, I'll be honest with you, this talk as I was writing, it got very personal for me this week and it got very difficult as I'm like, ah, I'm struggling in that area. Now, I, I wanna surrender my life to Christ, it is surrendered to Christ, but I can't, control everything that is around me as much as I wanted to because we need to give that control to God. This is still a battle for me. The reality is whenever we try to control something that is not ours to control, it is a reflection of a spiritual problem. And when we try to control, and I think this is key, something that we're not meant to control, something that is not ours to control, what we end up doing is we end up trying to play God. And that's not a good thing. One of the most quoted, most popular verses throughout all of Scripture, and it's also probably the most challenging and most difficult to live out, is Proverbs chapter 3. And here's what it says. It, it says this. It says, trust in the Lord. It teaches us this. Trust in the Lord. Another way to say that is surrender to the Lord. Surrender to God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Right? Not a, not a little bit. Not a, not a small amount. Not a sliver. Not a part. Not a section all of your life, and this is the most difficult section right here, this most difficult part about that verse, is to lean not on your own understanding. For me, I want to figure it out. As long as I have a concept of how it goes, then I can handle it. I feel like I can handle it. I want to figure it out. I want to be in control. But yet, what the, 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 what the, the, what the guy writing um, Proverbs 3 says, he says, trust not in your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him. Now that word submit, 
in Hebrew is also translated to acknowledge. In all your ways, acknowledge him, which means to be known. It is the same word in which Adam was referred to Eve and knowing Eve. It's an intimate knowing. So in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, know him. And he, not us, not us, not not we do, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, if we acknowledge him, if we know him, he will make our path straight. The problem is this. The more we try to control, the more we are afraid of losing control. And because of that, we want to control more. And so the more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And the more we try to lose control, we, more, we want to try to gain control. And so what it is, is it really is a cycle of fear that starts and start of our lives where we're trying to control, control, control because we're afraid of losing control. Essentially, when we try to control what is not ours to control, what we end up doing is we start edging God out of our life. We start edging him out, and that always goes bad. The Old Testament example I want to give today is I want to talk to you about an example where control really went bad, really, really, really bad. In the case of Abram and Sarai, who later became known as Abraham and Sarah, they had a habit of trying to control everything inside of their lives. You could see this, and probably the best, most prime example was when Abram was, received a promise from God. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless, bless, bless you, which is incredible, right? But then what happened? Nothing, actually. Nothing happened for quite some time. If you look at the passages, if you look at the text, he was given this promise, and years passed. Years and years and years. He was promised to be parent. They were promised to be parents, and then nothing. It's taking too long. And so what happens? Sarai, his wife, decides to take the situation into his own hands, or into their own hands. And Abraham agreed to do it as well. So here's what it says in Genesis chapter 16. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. Thank you. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, which is awkward and just, wow, trying to take control. Perhaps who? This is interesting. Perhaps I, I, singular Sarah, saying I can build a family through her. Basically what she's trying to do is take control. Verse 2, Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Now what happened basically is this, is that God had given Abram a promise, but the timing was not consistent with their timing. God's timing was not consistent with their timing, and so they took control, and control went bad. Some of you know what happened, and it is absolutely mind-blowing when you think about how this one decision has affected generation upon generation of people. Hagar 
got pregnant. And, and basically, she gave birth to a guy named Ish- Ishmael. And, and then what happened after that is Sarah miraculously, or yeah, Sarah miraculously got pregnant. And she gave birth to a son named Isaac. Now, Ishmael later goes on, and what you'll find is that the Palestinian people came from his lineage, thus also Mohammed. You'll find when you look at Isaac's lineage, you have Isaac who had the Jewish nation and then led to Christ. What is amazing to me and absolutely crazy is centuries later, we still have the tension between this situation. We still have tension between the Palestinians and the Jews. And and whom do we follow? Do we follow Mohammed or do we follow Christ? Why is this? It's because control went bad. It was not happening in the timing and in the way that they desired, and so they decided to take control. Friends, there is a massive, massive, massive spiritual lesson that you need to learn from here. We all need to learn this. In fact, if you're going to write anything down, write this down. This is what we need to know. One spiritual lesson, and that is this. Never sleep with a woman named Hagar, okay? (laughs) It's a weird name, Hagar. (laughs) I've never actually met a girl named Hagar, so I think we're good. But chances are you probably won't be tempted with that. But here's what we do know is that you will be tempted. You will be tempted by someone, by something in some area of your life to take control when things don't go your way. Maybe you're a single Christian girl and you want to meet a single Christian guy, but you can't find a single Christian guy, so you'll settle for a guy, right? You know you shouldn't be unequally yoked. You know you shouldn't be unequally yoked, but you're thinking, oh my gosh, ah, he's just so cute, and I can change him, and no. No, don't try to take it into your own hands. Maybe you think financially, right? It's not going well. I know I should tithe. I know I should give my first fruits to God. That's what he tells me in his word, to trust him in this. But yet, I think I know better than God how I should run my finances. He doesn't quite know my situation. He's got a lot to deal with. And so I'm going to just go about it my own way. And I'm not going to put God first. Or maybe it's inside of your marriage, right? Things are going a little bit crazy, but instead of having a conversation in the midst of the arguments, it just ends up being explosion after explosion, and we're trying to manipulate the other one into our own behavior, what we would want. Maybe, and it's definitely not anybody in here, maybe uh, you're a helicopter parent. You maybe have heard that, that term before, right? With the little Jimmy, we're going to take care of little Jimmy, and we're going to make sure little Jimmy's okay. You're like, Jimmy, you got homework? Yes? All right, we'll make sure you get an A in that class, and we're going to do your homework together. It's going to be great. Oh, someone was mean to you at school? All right, let's go there. I'll be there right there. We're going to go meet his dad. Yes, we're going to go meet his dad. You're going to check the mail? Put on your helmet. Put on your helmet, okay? Get your knee pads on. If you're going to check the mail, got to be safe. Got to be careful. Um, I've read this. They did, a, they did a study, a survey in the Wall Street Journal. This stat blew my mind. 8% of recent college graduates, catch this, take their parent to their first job interview. 8%. <laughs> Whoa, helicopter. <laughs> that is nuts. Just a little tip. If you're going to go to an interview, leave your mom in the car. Okay, leave your mom in the car. One minute, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab the piece of paper in front of you and I want to grab the pen, all of you in here, do this for me. I want you to take and walk through this exercise. And if you're here and you're saying, I don't want to go through your stupid exercise, Jake, you're the exact control freak I want to go through this exercise. 
What I want you to do is I want you to write down on that piece of paper there the area in which you personally are trying to control. This is important. We need to name it in order to surrender it. We have to put a name to it. So take just a second. I will keep talking. You go ahead and do your writing. Okay, write down the area in which your life that you are trying to control where you don't feel like you should be in control, where you're not in control, where God's in control. Maybe it's your kids. You're trying to control every single thing that your kids do. Maybe your kids are grown and you're still struggling with this. Or maybe you're trying to control your grown kids' kids when they come over and it's chaos inside of your house and don't touch this and don't, don't mess up the lines in my carpet, right? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're struggling in areas of to, to, to what do we control, what do you control instead of partnering together. Maybe it's the schedules. You're trying to control the calendar or your coworkers. Maybe you're trying to control your image on social media, right? It's more important what you look like to others than what you look like to God, and we want to make sure we look good. Maybe you're trying to over-control your future. I'm not saying don't invest, don't plan, but there are some things that you just can't control. And whatever it is inside of your life, and I don't know what it is. Each one of us might have something different. I'm just naming a few to get our minds to think, but what is it in your life that you are controlling or trying to control that you have no business trying to control. And write that down. This week, as I was going through this, the struggle that I had when I was wrestling through this is where do I, where's the handoff, right? There's some things in my life that I am supposed to be in control of but then there's other things I'm not. So what is my part in certain situations? And where do I hand that off to God's part? When do I let go in this area and not let go in that area? And I think that's the struggle. That's the hard part that I have in this. So what I wanna do is I wanna give us three practical questions. Practical questions to help us determine when it is the right time to surrender control. And so here's the first practical question. You can write this down too if you want to. First question to ask is, is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? Friends, when we first started this church, it was just me in the very, very beginning. And so I was involved in every single decision and everything that got put up on the walls or everything that got put, I mean, it was involved in all of that. And now I need to ask myself as our church has grown is it worth my concern? The small stuff. Are there things around this church, in this ministry, in this, would I like to change? Yeah, there are things that I would love to change. But I have to not sweat the small stuff. I need to pick my battles. If I don't, I'm going to frustrate our staff like nobody's business. I don't want to micromanage. I struggle and wrestle not to. I need to grow in a tolerance for some things to be a little bit different than the way that I would prefer them. And maybe that's the same somewhere in your life. As a leader, if we are building an organization, you have a choice. We have a choice. You can have control or you could have growth, but you can't have both. You can have control or you could have growth, but you can't have both. It's the same thing, catch this, in a relationship. In a relationship, you can have control in the relationship or you could have intimacy. You can't have both. And so we gotta ask ourselves, is it worth my concern? 
Is this a big enough deal? Is it worth me getting all upset over? Is it worth me having relational frustrations or hurting relationships? And I don't want to get in your business, but we're already there, and so let's just go ahead and forward with it. Is it worth getting all upset, freaked out, wigged out because the towels aren't folded in the right way? I mean, five years from now, is that going to be a big difference? Five years from now, well, they weren't folded the way I liked. I mean, my wife folds towels one way, I fold towels the other way. Is it worth it to go my way? Is it worth it if the kids go out and their outfits don't match, if they don't match, right? Are they not going to be able to get into the college of their preference or your preference for your kids if they're not wearing an outfit that matches? We let our kids dress themselves for the most part now, and gosh, it's a mess. So my son, maybe you weren't here last week, but he wore armor, body armor. He's right there. Yeah, he wore body armor last time, like from a motorcycle. And I was just like, yep, okay, here we go, you know. If there's trash in the car, right? I think about this in our situation. When I could control cleaning my car on a regular basis and whatnot, it was so clean. I used to wipe out stuff with Q-tips to make sure it got, I mean, I'm bad, I know. So it's a problem. But now I got Cheerios where I would... (laughs) never want Cheerios, and there's squeezy packs that have been spilled like years ago that have left a stain that I haven't touched. Is it worth it to let some of those things go? Yes, it is. One day, I'm going to get a new truck, right? And that truck is not going to have Cheerios smashed into the carpet, and it's not going to have squeezy packs down the side and fingerprints on the windshield. But you know what I'm going to miss at that point in time? I'm going to miss the fingerprints, I'm going to miss the Cheerios and the squeezy packs, all that kind of stuff. So we got to ask ourselves, is it worth my concern? Next question to ask is this, is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? That area that you wrote down, is it yours to control? Sometimes, friends, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And if it is, we need to do something about it. Friends, this is my default setting. This is my natural disposition is to take action. That's how I'm wired. Well, let's go do it. Let's go do it. Let's go. Let's take it. Let's finish it. Let's get it done. I understand that's not the natural disposition for everyone else. And so there's a big difference. This is important. There's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. There's a huge difference there. Huge difference. Maybe you're struggling financially. And the thing is, is you're thinking, well, God will provide. God will provide. I'm just going to let him provide. God will bring finances in. Friends, God gave you two hands, two feet, and a mind to be able to work. And so God can bring those finances in, but we've got to do our part in that. Do we not? Right? If you're constantly spending more money than you make, then we've got to adjust that. Now, I get that for some of us, this is a habit and it's a struggle. I mean, if that's the case, ask for help. Jump into Financial Peace University, but there is in some cases where we need to do our part. Maybe it struggles in the marriage. Instead of, I I think you should always pray for your marriage. In fact, you should pray together for your marriage, but pray for your marriage. But before you just leave it all up to God, start assessing your own heart, right? Go to counseling if there's tension. If you're single and you're a bachelor, right, and you're a guy, one of the practical things you could do is stop playing video games, right? You can move out of your parents' basement, apply for a job, brush your teeth. All those things are good, good options. There are some things, catch this, I like this. There's some things God won't do for you because he already gave you the ability to do them. 
There's some things he's, he's already given you the ability to do. And so we got to ask ourselves, is this area that I'm trying to control mine to control? Sometimes the answer is yes. And if it is, we should take action. We shouldn't be afraid to take action. We should take action. But if it's not, then we need to ask the third question, and that's this. Is it for God alone? Is that area that you wrote down, is it for God alone? Is this one of those areas that I try to control that I really, really shouldn't try to control? The Apostle Paul, he had this amazing passage. He wrote this down years ago. What's amazing to know is in the context is he wrote it while he was in chains. He wrote it while he was in prison. He said this. He said, do not be anxious about anything. He's in jail, friends. He's in chains. And he's saying, do not be anxious about anything. Anything that happened last week, don't be anxious about that. Do not be anxious about anything that, that could happen next week. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. So no matter what, by prayer and petition. Would you say that with me? By prayer and petition. Great. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Prayer and petition in every situation, in every circumstance, in everything that we face, we are to pray. We are to pray. Friends, never insult God by saying, well, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. Prayer is never a last resort. It is always a first line of offense. We can do, what can we do? We can pray. We can pray. Scripture says that we can actually approach God boldly into his throne room and we can speak to him as a friend, as a savior. And you know what's crazy? He will listen. And what's nuts is he will take action as well. Verse seven says this, after we have prayed and we have gone to him in thanksgiving, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do we do? If there's something in our lives that we can't control, what do we do? We pray. We hand it to God. We trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And what happens at that moment in time? Something supernatural. It says that the peace of God, Paul tells us that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And supernaturally, that peace will enter in to our situation. And how is that that there are these people that when crap is going on in their world, and their world is falling apart, that they seem to have this peace and you think, how is that even possible? Well, the answer is this. It's because they're praying and they've laid it before God. They have surrendered it. They're not trying to control the situation anymore. They've basically said, God, this is something I can't control. It's beyond me, so I'm giving it to you. And how do I give that to you? Through prayer and petition. And what does the Bible say when that happens? That the peace of God, which transcends anything we can understand, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's huge. It's huge. And so we need to ask ourselves, is this thing that I'm holding, that I'm trying to control, is it for God alone? Maybe your spouse is making some bad decisions, right? Can you change your spouse? The answer is no. 
The answer is no to that. We can try, right? We could adjust our behavior for a time. You know, we could try to manipulate and then they'll resent us and things like that. Can we change our spouse? No. Can God change our spouse? Yes. Yes. And so therefore, we need to surrender our marriage to him. Can we heal our own body? Can we heal the body of those that we love? Right? Maybe they have cancer or something like that. Can you heal that? No, you can't heal that. You can find, help find doctors. You can help support. You can help them find chemo, things of that nature. But can we heal a body? We cannot. But can God? Yes, he can. Can we control our kids? <laughs> no. Answer is no. Can we control their future? What we would like them to do? No, we can't. We can threaten them. No, that'll just drive them away, drive a wall in between us, a wedge in between us. We don't want to do that. And so, but can God change our kids? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And so we need to surrender that. That is something for him. So whenever we try to control a situation we can't control, we need to ask ourselves, is, you know, is this worth my concern? Is this in my control? Is there actually something I can do about it? Or is this for God alone? Those are great questions to ask. A real personal example where this happened in my life, I shared this story once before, but as I was going through and preparing, there was literally no other story that fit this in my life like this did, that was ever more potent in my life. And that was with our, our daughter, Magnolia. Many of you know, I talk about her often, she was three and a half years old, she was diagnosed, she was actually diagnosed when she was three, um, with terminal brain cancer. So when we got back from that, there was no chance of survival. Basically what they said is that there is no medicine on this planet that could actually heal your daughter. She's going to pass away. You have about nine months with her, give or take. Could be three, could be a year, but that's the best that you're gonna get. And of course, as a dad, and I'm sure if you're a dad or a mom, you wanna control that situation that you have no control of. I remember holding Maggie's head actually and I had her hand in my head, and I remember thinking that the cancer is right there. And it's just inches from my hand, and I can't rip it out. You know, I can't take it out. I can't help her. And so one time, as we were going through this process, they, they said, well, you can try some experimental drugs. These are things that, we, that could help or could not help your daughter. It's basically you got a chance. And it came in the form of a pill. And, and, and what's nuts is like, okay, well, we'll try that. We will try anything to save her life. That's our thought process. This is our last shot. Outside of a miracle of God, this is our last shot, is that she would try and take these pills. And so, um, so we went to the hospital, and, and they gave us the pills. And holy cow, like you would think for a small child, they would give you a small pill, but it was a freaking horse pill. It's like the size of her tongue, it felt like. It was humongous. I'm like, how am I going to convince her to eat an apple, to swallow this thing? And so we started the process. They gave us a room in the hospital, and they said, here you go. What's nuts is they said you need to wear gloves. These things are so toxic that you need to wear rubber gloves as you put this in your kid's mouth. But for us, it's like this is the last shot that we can do, the last thing that we can do. This is, I mean, it's not even a good shot, but this is all we can do. And so we go in there, and my wife and I were inside of a room, and we were inside of that room, and we were trying anything we could. We tried to bribe her. We tried to charm her. We tried to trick her. We tried to put it in other food that she would eat. And, and, but we said, they said you couldn't have her chew it, so we had to get her to swallow something. It was really difficult. 
And we tried to almost then force her, and all of a sudden it started to become tension, and she's now crying, and we're crying, because you've got to imagine the stress that if you don't get this pill down her mouth, she's going to die. That's our situation. That's where we were at. So we tried for about an hour, and about that time, my wife said, I think I'm done. I, ha- I have to go. And, and so she stepped out, and I, I, I couldn't step out. I, I, I stayed in there, because this is it. And so I, in that place for about, I was it like another hour, hour and a half, I stayed in there, that hospital room, and fought her to swallow that pill. And I got so frustrated, you guys, because I can't control anything at this moment. So frustrated that I went and I actually punched the, the bed so hard that I hurt my hand in the back there because she just wouldn't swallow the pill. What's amazing is that my daughter had a, like a stubborn attitude just like her dad. <laughs> and the thing that I loved about her and the thing I imparted in her is the thing she wouldn't take it, she wouldn't take it, she wouldn't take it. I got her to swallow one pill out of all of them. That was it. But she was going to have to do this like four times a day. And so ended up in tears and frustration and complete anger just being done. I can't do this anymore. What we came to find out that I thought was nuts is that that pill, that experimental drug, didn't work. So it never worked. And what it did come with was a bunch of side effects that would have uh, distorted or hurt our time together because she would have been dealing with this thing. You know, you always see on the commercials, you know, take this pill, it'll solve this, but it'll also cause this, 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 this. It would have done that to my daughter. But because she was stubborn and because God was sovereign, she wouldn't swallow the pill and he, he didn't allow, he, she, the pill wasn't swallowed. God's hand was in the midst of it. I lost control, relinquished control, and because of that, the time that we did have with her, the, the, the nine months, and especially the six of them in the middle, we had complete health from the outside looking in. She was herself. And we wouldn't have had that. We wouldn't have had that if we had forced that pill, if we, she would have swallowed that pill. It's one of the most difficult moments in my life. And yet, we are asked to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. His hands, my friend, are completely capable. What I had to be pushed into was putting her in his hands, his capable hands of healing. And I thought, okay, God, this, you're, you're the one shot we got. Now, he didn't choose to heal her on this planet, but what I realized through prayer and petition is that he did choose to heal her on the cross. And I've said this before, I wanted 40 years with her. I wanted the next 40 years of my life to spend with my daughter. And what God said is, I'm not going to give you 40. You get three and a half plus all of eternity. How does that work out? And I have all of eternity because of the healing hands, the healing capable hands of my Savior. And so friends, if you're here today, and there is something, an area in your life that you wrote down that you were struggling to surrender. You're trying to control something that you're never meant to control. I want to ask you today to release it, to let it go, to drop it, to lay it down, to surrender it. Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes with me? If that's you, and there is an area inside of your life 
that you know you need to surrender, would you just raise your hand? If there is an area, yeah, dude, so many people. That's almost everyone in this room, exactly. I want us to choose surrender over control, and I want to pray for you, but I also want to pray for another person as well. Keep your eyes closed. Let me ask this. If you're in this room and you've never given the ultimate surrender to God, you have taken your life and you have tried to do it your way and it's just not working, and you're tired of trying to control and to manipulate and make it happen and it's not working out, and you know in your gut You know in your soul that you need to relinquish control. You need to surrender to the one who has the most capable hands that have ever been created. If that's you and you want to put your faith and you want to take a step in that direction, would you do me a favor? If you want to relinquish the ultimate surrender, what I would say this is, would you just look at me for a second? Nobody else look. But if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to surrender to him, would you just look at me? That's awesome. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So good. Ultimate control. Yes. You guys, we can't control everything. In fact, the joke and the the whole facade is this. We're in control of nothing. But God, with his most capable, loving, kind hands, wants to wrap his arms around you. And he wants to hold you. And he wants to bring you into a life that is not just stress and pain. He wants to bring you in a life that is free and full of love. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be the, 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 everything that you've always hoped. It's not going to be a fantasy, but what it will be is the best life possible. And then one day we all get to step into eternity. Then all pain is gone and all tears are gone and relationships are rekindled and everything's on the table and everything is good. I want to pray for you. Let's, let's pray now. Jesus For those who raised their hand and said, there's this area inside of my life that I need to set down. I need to drop it at the altar. For those individuals, I pray that you'd give them the courage to do so and the strength to do so. God, help us to distinguish and to know what areas we should control and what areas we should not. What areas are in our hands and what areas should be in your hands. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to to surrender. It's so hard to surrender. Help us to trust you with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And Lord, for those who made eye contact, for those who want to make the ultimate surrender, I pray for them now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would enter into their heart as you have promised, because of the work that you've done on the cross, you've offered us an opportunity called salvation. And because of that, we are saved from living this life that never works of control. We've tried, Lord, so now we surrender to you. We lower our guard. We open our heart. Would you come in and change us? Would you come in And give us life and life to the full as you promised and as you've done in so many of us here. God, we are grateful for you. We are grateful that you went to Calvary for the 
ultimate surrender, where you surrendered your life on a cross so that we could have life and life to the full. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. And for that, we declare and trust and love you back because you loved us first. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.